All right, guys, welcome to the Blackberry Bobby and Beer Podcast. I'm your host, Kami Amarabia, and joined by co-host Trevor Rogers on a Thursday evening. Trevor, how's life? How are you doing? How's everything? Life's good, man. I got I got contacts. I'm not doing the glasses thing anymore. Really? So, okay. I never got contacts because I have a really bad astigmatism like the doctor basically was like your eyes aren't even egg shaped like football shaped so uh they already mentioned that getting contacts would be an issue but it how how is how is that how has that been the transition is it worth it i i hate i wore contacts like when i was in high school for like a week and i hated it Mm. and i haven't i haven't had contacts since but you know, I have a I have a one and a half year old who just like takes my glasses off my face all the time, and so oh, I sure. haven't I haven't had like a straight pair of glasses in over a year. It's okay. they're all warped to hell. Uh, so that's already a plus. So yeah. Also, we're not dealing with taking your glasses on and off when you're switching to sunglasses. It's a whole thing. Let's go ahead and like we we got like stuff to talk about. We've talked want to talk about the 12 team playoff. That's what I want to talk about. Uh I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. I want to talk about a little bit of NFL stuff that happened this weekend. Um coaching carousel for sure. Even a former OU coach. Uh some shooting hoops about Porter Moser, just some random stuff to get to. Uh, just going first, I mean it's especially like after years of watching NFL playoffs and NBA playoffs and FCS division one and FCS division two and even three playoffs on ESPN far after bowl season is over. There are still people that are not fans of a multiple team playoff instead of four, maybe like, like, six or like i don't know or eight right um and so i i thought that the nfl trevor was a really good example of why expanding the playoffs obviously like this past weekend was good like you have baker mayfield the buccaneers taking down the eagles you have the packers and all cowboy situation where the cowboys hadn't lost at home that entire year and they got 40 piece at least at home before the cowboys scored points in garbage time and then you Less have storylines, yeah, yeah. You even even uh, have storylines like 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 the Lions, a team that has been like an up and comer for a while. Uh, it's in second end season to build, and they finally win a playoff game for the first time since '91 in their own home home stadium. And so against I mean, like, Matt Stafford, yeah, that's that's like a great storyline too. Part of it, and so uh, what what is, what is your perspective like after like these? NFL games, which were they were great games to, to watch, unless you're our Cowboys fan. I'm sorry for you. Um, 
what's your perspective on the 12 team playoff? Like, what are the pros? What are the what are the what are the cons, if any? Why why would somebody dislike maybe a 12 team playoff as well? For the fear that I mean, we've seen years of lopsided playoff matchups in a four-team format. And so I guess I guess the the concern is what's going to happen when oh you know you play a 12 seed like mm-hmm. how bad are they going to get beaten against one of these you know a, a Georgia and Alabama so i i get that but i mean nobody complains about the 1 versus 64 matchup in in March Madness it's right. kind of like you know it's a formality what you know one way or another all sports have to deal with injuries. All divisions in, in college football have to deal with injuries. And I think there's just this, this fear of, you know, if you lose your stud wide receiver to an injury, your, your whole team's done. But at the same time, every other team in the playoff is dealing with that potentially as well. Yeah. So I think it kind of, at the end of the day, evens itself out. That ha- That's exactly, that happens in the NFL all the time. So I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I think they're going to have to figure out a calendar on it. I think, you know, you can't wait a month to play the first playoff game. Um, no, I, I I'm very pro 12 team playoff. Yeah, like for me, it just makes the most sense out of everything. I mean, A, just think about it like the NFL. Uh, think about it as a Saturday event or maybe even like a Saturday and Sunday event uh, when the NFL is even going. Who knows how that would work out? But maybe you make maybe, maybe uh, make like a Friday, Saturday, whatever event, or Thursday. I don't yeah. know. Figure out days. There's Saturdays and Monday nights. I don't know. But that's probably the, that's probably the gig. Um, but... I mean, you turn on the TV and it is playoff football and, you know, you have seed one and whatever and or you have a bye and stuff like that. Like, it's more football. It's more entertaining. It's interesting to think about that Alabama, before all the chaos went down, before whoever got beat, you know, in the top, three, four, five, whatever, to end the very uh, to, to end the season. Alabama, they were nine before they beat Georgia. And suddenly they're in the playoffs, even though one other team won their championship and they were undefeated. Now, like, in retrospect, of course, like, you look at Florida State and what happened in the bowl game, like, that's yeah, big yikes. And, like, you can say, okay, they got the right teams in. But it's just really interesting to think about with the 12 team format, you're not really arguing too much unless you're on the fringe. And if you're really on the fringe, like I feel like that's more of a lesson for that next year's team. And again, like it's more entertainment and you get to see more team matchups that you've probably never seen before. And honestly, like, do you think that, that, that maybe even levels the playing field for recruiting even more that, now, instead of four teams saying, hey, we've been to these college football playoffs, there's 12 teams now each year that can say, hey, we're competing for national titles here. In theory, 
yes i don't know to like how like what degree because i think like you have that and that's cool but you know georgia and texas a&m can also say but we'll give you you know a a diamond you know diamond coated rolls royce sure (laughs) so like you're good yeah that's fair I can't I can't really think of the cons because like another pro is like like the cons the con is like hey you're having kids play extra games and may get hurt right the pro that's that's the part of the pro aspect of it though for me is like in the NFL it, when where a lot of these players are going to end up playing they're still going to play more games in the regular season they're going to play yeah they're going to play at least seventeen alone. regular season games alone and yep. if their if their team's good enough to play even more and if they're good enough as well they're definitely practicing every week and so right. for them it's getting they're they're viewed as employees they get paid some money i don't know like how much from the like ncaa but they're obviously getting nil money they're viewed as employees and like so prepare them for their for what i know it's a small percentage if we're being honest but prepare them for future employment now like of course like that's what percentage of athletes like it's a small percentage just under 10% that actually make it pro and stay pro for a minute. But it's, but like they need to treat it like that. I feel like, and I, I think that, I think that con is, I think it's bullshit. Like, I think that that's my opinion. Anyways, I don't know. Um, I'm also very pro 12 team. Like I maybe thought like maybe 16, but I thought maybe that's too many teams at that point. Now you're like, like edging on 20 and that's too many teams far out. So I think 12 is a good round number. Eight is also a decent number to me. Um, but what's anyone of playoffs, in the world real well, quick, ahead. anyone in the world, because it wasn't like Oklahoma state, like in that 16, 17 range. Yeah. Um, going out of was it either in or out of big 12 championship weekend Would anyone on, on this planet, that doesn't live in Stillwater, Oklahoma, wanted to watch that Oklahoma State team play a top God. four seed in the playoff. No. 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 We saw what Texas did them did to them. Yes. So anyway, yeah, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's 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 just an interesting thing, but like at the same time, man, can you imagine the first time like the like like you just saw in the NFL, like you saw a lot of upsets this past weekend. You imagine the first time you see the the team that's not supposed to win at all upsetting the first like the one of the highest seeds that you can find in that entire playoff. That would make so many headlines. Like when, uh, oh, what what was the team in college basketball that was like the first sixteen seed upset? UMBC, baby. UMBC. That's right. The yeah. they were some sort of dog. The Retrievers. The Retrievers. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. that, like they beat didn't didn't they beat Kansas? Uh Virginia. Virginia? Okay, that's right. It was and then Virginia, Virginia won the national championship the next year. Yeah, because Virginia couldn't can score score points because they are like a zone defense score no score like points 40 at all. points yeah, a game. 40 yeah. points a game and 50 and you're really cooking. But anyways, yeah. let's get to this. Like speaking of playoffs, Baker Baker Mayfield. What a redemption, like kind of like season for him. I mean oh, yeah. He goes to the Bucks, and I was like thinking, okay, he's got Mike Evans, he's got a couple guys. If this offensive line can give him a, a decent, a decent like look, I think he's gonna get turned loose. 
and it they a lot of people had them like maybe at, at least second lot a lot of people picked them third in the division even though like the nfc south is not a good one nfc south yeah uh it's, it's not it's not really a good one and no, a and they're still able to with a quarterback that a lot of people called washed after the whole Carolina Panthers situation, which is a symptom of the Carolina Panthers. I don't think that's a Baker Mayfield thing after all the crap he went through with the Browns gets to the playoffs and then defeats Jalen hurts and the Eagles kicks their ass in the first, in the first round kicks their ass guys weren't running wide open and he was excellent. It's like, what does it say about him as a quarterback? Like, is he, is, is his status as a quarterback just starting NFL quarterback? And, or is it a guy that is, uh, that can, it's like, is he, I don't know, like, is he your gen- generic starting NFL quarterback that just has your different styles? Like, he's able to scramble around a little bit. He's kind of a Russell Wilson kind of guy. Yeah. In terms of like, you know, kind of the annals of where he may and, and annals makes me giggle, by the way. Um, it's a good word. <laughs> and like where the, the lore of where Baker Mayfield is going to be remembered in the league, it, it, not for a style of, of play, because he is a totally different quarterback. Sure. But I kind of feel like he's at a Philip Rivers, maybe just a, a like tiny step behind Philip Rivers type um, okay. where like, so he's not really a star. He's not really like viewed as like a really big guy, but he's viewed as just like, he'll be a star for like four games a year. Everybody's yeah, like, yeah, okay, fair, he's, fair. he's, he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And then at the end of the season, you know, he's, He's going to put up ridiculous numbers and then still throw a pick to end the game. Like that's kind of like how I think about uh, Philip Rivers. And even if that's like fair or true at all for Baker, that's kind of how like because of all of the narrative surrounding him, I think that's going to kind of be how he's remembered. But I think he'll be remembered fondly. Like he's, I think everyone is enjoying the Baker Mayfield experience. It's been a literal roller coaster in terms of his career. And it's amazing. Like you have a ton of people. I mean, listen to the head coach of the lions talk about, you know, basically gushing over how Baker Mayfield is a football guy. And so I I think there's a lot more like Baker Mayfield fans than there ever was at his time in, in Cleveland. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is he got a lot of hate. And I think was a symptom of Cleveland football uh, that he actually was successful with them. Obviously uh, they won a playoff game with him after he supplanted Tyrod Taylor be- because of injury and actually came back and won that game. Um, Jets. Sam and, Arnold. Yeah. Against, against the Jets. That's right. And then like, of course they have some bad seasons and some chalk it up to maybe their bad defense. Some chalk it up to maybe their bad offensive coordinator. And then they sat on him. Obviously, they signed Deshaun Watson. There's that whole that's there's that whole ordeal. Goes and has that fun thing with the Rams for a minute, and then goes and does that fun thing with the Panthers for a minute. And now, 
it seems almost like fitting that he would be like a swashbuckling kind of buccaneer kind of like playing guy. If he fits, he fits that mold to a T. And so I'm curious to see like where the rest of his career takes him. Um, he definitely seems like a QB one for that team. I wouldn't go nearly as Philip Rivers because he played very high level football in the NFL for like a lot of years. And Bake, you, you are you are correct. Bake's still is. early in his career, but I don't I don't think he can't turn it around though. Um, and that's I mean I'm curious to see where his career takes him next, especially with the whole Tampa situation where he did sure. a really good job this year. And so I'm, I'm curious about like his redemption tour. Obviously it's not ending because you have to see how it all kind of kind of pans out, but let's right. talk some coaching carousel. Oh my gosh. The fallout from Nick Saban, <laughs> Alabama, their team. If we were talking about this game two weeks ago, OU versus Alabama in Norman in November, I would be, I'd be very honest and say, yeah, oh, that's a, that's a straight loss. You can totally mark that as an L on your, and on your Alabama calendar. is a seven and a half point favorite. And now because of all the fallout because of Nick Saban and stuff that like, we still don't know because there's, th- there's 30 days of all of this that can happen. There's players being poached left and right uh, from the Crimson Tide. And suddenly I'm not as anxious about playing the Crimson Tide. I wouldn't say anxious, but I'm not as I'm not as cynical, I suppose, as 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 facing the Crimson Tide in Norman. Albeit I'm acknowledging they have still some really damn good players. Let's like not ignore that, obviously. They've recruited very well every single year. I'm not as anxious or nervous about them playing in Norman against the Sooners in November. What are your thoughts on that? Like is do you think that's valid? Yeah, I mean it it's it's totally a, a reasonable thing to, you know, to think. Um you're like you're not out of line by thinking it. I I I look at it where just the, the sheer volume of talent that's in Tuscaloosa, yeah, is is kind of just like staggering, you know, like what the the stockpile of talent that both Alabama and Georgia have been able to achieve over the last 4 or 5 years. And then Alabama sends to Georgia, right? Yeah, sure. Transfer. Yeah. Um, although I did have to laugh that like five Florida State players have wound up, or excuse me, five Alabama players have wound up at Florida State. Um, It's kind of unreal. Um, So, yeah, they're losing. They're losing. It's not like they're losing just like a bunch of guys that weren't seeing the playing field. They're seeing guys that like were starters, you know, this past season. Like their so best it, freshman, all American kind of talent. Right. It is significant, but it's also, again, it's just hard to fathom how much talent is in Tuscaloosa. Yes. And some of the players that Kalen DeBoer is bringing from Washington, mm-hmm. man, Kalen DeBoer took a Washington team. Like th- this Alabama team, even the iteration of whatever he inherits on paper is going to be more talented than Kalen DeBoer ever had at Washington. Yes. So we've seen what a really damn good football coach does with, you know, with lesser. Sure. I, 
I still think just because of where Oklahoma's at next year, I still think Alabama's definitely I'm picking Alabama to win that game. Um, uh, but I don't I don't think OU potentially loses like a double digit loss at home. I gotta see how you play first because like I could also go in the opposite direction and say, like, hey, like, look at Shaka Smart. That guy at VCU, he's got them killing teams left and right every single year. It's fair. And, and you know, like, and of course, like, we can acknowledge, but like, Texas does that to everyone. Yeah, like, that's a thing, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like that, that's a, that, that's, that could be a Texas syndrome sort of situation. Correct. But, and, and it's, it's not, it's, it's different in football, obviously, where you're overmatched, likely because you don't have guys in the trenches. It's not really too much. Well, you, have, you also have the faster athletes as well. And so it's a little bit different there, but it's, it's still, I don't know, like, I, I I look at the exodus of like serious actual serious talent from Alabama. I can acknowledge the guys that are getting into their first season out at Alabama with the bar, uh, but I don't know if it automatically translates. And I'm curious to think, especially because if coaches are even being pulled from Alabama to Georgia, uh, because they obviously they have they have an opening, and Kirby Smart obviously knows that 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 staff very well, knows that roster well. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if he stands up to the hype. I mean, like I've, we've seen coaches rise, right? Like rising stars and go to a big program, um, like that, like Washington, that is not a football program. Yes. Have they had have they had success in the past? I agree. They totally have yeah. even against Oklahoma, it's a right? Good program. It's a good yeah. school. Against yeah. Oklahoma historically too, right? With the yeah. damn fucking scooter on the field. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, like shit, dog, you know, um, but, um, it's not, it's not a second, it's not really a serious football school, in my opinion, right? That it's, it's gymnastics, it's softball, it's basketball in, in certain years. And, and it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a lot of other things is it's not really too much football. Even I, they have I think success. football is their, I think football think is so? their pride and joy. I, I really do. The, it, is it because like, like the Seattle Seahawks or something like that? You think that, you think it, that has a major effect on it? I, I, I do. Um, I, it's a, it is a very football positive town. Um, you know, it's, it's a very football, football friendly town. Um, I, was, I, I just got to spend uh, a few days in Seattle this past summer and it was just Seahawks stuff everywhere, everywhere, every bar you go into every restaurant, just everywhere. Um, in lack sports. That's it. That's it. Uh, no, they uh, one the location. It's a it is a tremendous spot to see a football game. Yeah. Two, I love to go like, to a Seattle Sounders game. Uh, right, right. Um, like, I mean, they won a national championship in the nineties, did they not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they did. Like, and and they've maintained a consistency far above like other schools. Like, I mean, hell, even Kansas State, who was dominant in the nineties. Yeah, they they had Colorado, when New Heisel Nebraska. was viewed as like as a as a commodity. New Heisel was like like the dude. He was the guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like him and uh, Francione were yep. like supposed to be essentially like the Urban Meyer and and Nick Saban of that era. Yeah. Um. And obviously, it never panned out. Um. 
And then wasn't it – did Ty Willingham leave Washington to go to Notre Dame or did he – when yeah, he, he got he, fired from Notre he Dame? Left, he, he, to, he left to go to Notre Dame. That's wait, what I thought. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It, was the, it was the other way around, wasn't it? Didn't he go to like Oregon after Notre Dame or something like that? No, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't. I got. I. I'm gonna have to look. This was he up. like? Wasn't he like promoted from within from Notre Dame and then? I feel like Ty Willingham was. I, I feel like Washington was after Notre Dame. Uh, um, I, I think you're right because I think Willingham did go to the Pac-12. He was at Stanford, head coach at Stanford from '95 to twenty uh, to 2001, and then was at Notre Dame from 2002 okay, to Washington. 2004, and then Washington from 2005 to 2008. And they did. In fact, me. the picture, dude, the picture on his Wikipedia page is him when Washington came to Norman. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's funny. Didn't have a good day. Uh, and Jake Walker, though, that was fun. That game in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they've had good teams and they they've I I don't know that I, I get it. It's a good program for what it is, and it it is it is the Iowa of the Northwest. Yeah, but like kind of getting back to like like Alabama though, like I I just think that knowing what OU has right now. And obviously not really truly knowing what you have in the portal until you see a play. Um, I feel way less maybe concerned about getting obviously blown out in Norman, first of all, against Alabama, just because the sheer exodus. And then Georgia loses in the SEC game in which, like, again, it looked like a dominant Georgia team that was just going to beat the heck out of Alabama, who had just escaped the week before on like a fourth and 18 or fourth and 28 or whatever the hell it was. And they're getting some of Alabama's players conveniently, some of the coaches, but on a scale of one to 10, because they were at like win number 30 something in a row. How like, did you ever think about them threatening OU's win streak? Like, were you worried about on a scale of one to 10? How worried were you about UGA breaking OU's 47 game win streak? No, players. They they do, but there is I mean there is parity in the SEC. Yeah, um, like a loss was coming inevitably, um, and it, and it clearly yeah it clearly happened. We saw we saw how they struggled all year, um, especially like when they started off, and you know they had how many games where they were up three at halftime. Um, yeah, sure. They they had a they had a few of those moments. It's it like, definitely turn on the second like, half. Yeah, I I may have been more concerned if they would have pulled it off, but the the manner in which they lost to an Alabama team that was, admittedly, it was funny, like not Nick Saban's best. Yes, yeah, like still lauded. It's amazing, like how many people are like Nick Saban did an unbelievable coaching job this year. He still had the most talented yeah, the roster in college damn roster. Football. Yeah, that's yeah. Yes, I don't hear that <laughs> like get by the number out of here. Yeah, get out of here. Anyways, I. <laughs> I <laughs> it is no, I wasn't I wasn't concerned. Yeah. Like I could tell to I could lose totally to see that, that Alabama team. If like for me, like makes sense. 
I, I was like, for me, it was a cool, like on one to 10, if I had to get, give it a guess, I would say it was like a cool, like, honestly, I was a cool four because I was like, well, yeah. they're already in the thirties. And then I was like, they're beating all these teams like asses and they're only getting like the best recruits and they keep on getting the, like some of the best portal guys and Kirby smart has a thing going and the Alabama dynasty is kind of like dead now. And this is even before like Saban retired. Like I thought the Alabama dynasty was already dead. And it was like, Georgia's kind of like head and shoulders above like everybody else. It felt like to a certain extent. And I'm so, I'm curious like what that would have meant for the national championship. It was Michigan facing Georgia instead. And um, I thought like, man, could they really go another season? And that was why you know, I stopped at four because I was like, yeah, they're at 30 something, but like, there's no way you can go another season and sustain that amount of success for that long. But I mean, obviously one team did it. So like rules are meant to be uh, rules. Yeah, sure. But records are meant to be broken. And so like, at one point, I, th- I think that record does get broken, but I was like, I wasn't like, Concerned, concerned, but I was, I had peaked curiosity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sure. lie about that. Sure. Um, th- do you think that's fair? Yeah, I do. I, I, I definitely get that. Uh, I, I think had I just not seen the cracks like early in the season, sure. Because even you know, even if they 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 finish it out, they still would have had to go undefeated the following year and then still win what four or five games to to break the record. Yep. Um, you know, I, so like, I know it like looks like they definitely did get close, but not, I, I think the gap was bigger than, than we give credit for. And just the law of averages would have won out at this day in college football. I agree. And I think the, I think the parody thing, especially with the transfer portal these days, and how it, how it actually acts now, right. especially right. With, with the coaching carousel, as you've seen with the last, you know, 30 days, right. Right. Um, how it totally changes the landscape, and if well, if you're Ole Miss, you get pretty much every damn guy in in the in the portal. Um, yeah. But speaking of um, speaking of other players and other teams, and well, even guys that even helped get guys portal into you, or maybe lack thereof because he didn't like recruiting. Good old Teddy Roof uh, found a new home as a defensive coordinator because Brent Venables asked him to remain on staff in some capacity. I imagine as an analyst, I think that's kind of like the go-to for a lot of people. Um, right. And yeah, you know, like your glorified coffee getter and, uh, you know, all the guys that review tape film, etc. And, um, he, but he gets a defensive coordinator job with UCF. And I thought, you know, it's because he has also familiarity with Malzahn with working with him. But I mean, good for him, I suppose. I again, you know, it's Florida. We talked about we talked about this last last podcast. His defenses, even when he was a defensive coordinator somewhere else, not like great. Tech, they were always really average, like forties, fifties yep. at best. Yep, yep, not not great. Um, it, again, the, I guess the thing he's got going for him is he does like he does have good connections in the Florida Georgia area. Um, so, you know, looking at who's available and and who could potentially help kind of kickstart, because that's really where UCF struggled um, this year was on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Looking for somebody that can really 
hammer those inroads in both of those states. Um, I, I, from that perspective, the hire makes makes sense. It's about where his draft stock is at. Sure. I think UCF is really, I think it's going to take them a few years to get acclimated to even this new iteration of the Big 12. Um, so I, I think it's a holdover. You know, you have him for a few years, uh, a couple years before he retires. I mean, shit, Gus may even retire here in the next few years. I don't yeah, realize Gus know, getting right? that old. Yeah, he is. He's getting up there. It's it's intriguing to think about like how not not that long ago how he was at Auburn and winning a national championship and stuff like that. Um, no, he never did. He didn't win it. He lost. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. He lost to Jameis. That's no, I forgot about that because I I forget. That's right. He wasn't. uh, Oh, it was. uh, Who no? Who was it that beat Oregon with uh, Kim Newton again? Was that Chizik? Chizik. Oh, okay. I, I get the, I get them mixed yeah. up. I guess who was at um, Iowa State for a year, and they were and terrible. Then the head coach at Auburn did he win it in his first year? Yeah, they were terrible at Iowa State. I think I think it was like his second year, but I remember like him getting off the plane, and they're like, "We don't want a loser. We want a winner." Like I remember the person like screaming at him when he got off the plane. So that was a great. Yeah, he got, did he get him. fired the next year? He got fired because they like. They they won the national championship and they started the season like like one and five or, or like one and four or something like that. And he got yeah, fired. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was very short, but that's right. It was Gene Chizik. It was in. Oh, uh, what a! Uh, we hardly knew you. But was, Gone, uh, yeah. but not forgotten. Melzon got close. Uh, but it it is certainly open recruit season for the coaching carousel as we've seen, and I mean like. I talked with Steven about this. This feels like the primary method of after the COVID year seniors, it feels like the primary method of real major like portal raids, I suppose. Um, after the season is over because you lose all those extra bodies that are, can come back for that seventh year. And, but what I really wanted to kind of like talk like to pivot this conversation to is, Oklahoma in their NIL situation regarding um, regarding not necessarily like the players that they have, uh, but maybe like the money that they are not necessarily able to currently spend right now that you see like every single program. It feels like, of course, you know, you see an edit every other minute and somebody else is getting somebody <laughs> and it's usually Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss is getting everybody or, yeah, or Texas, but you know, they've actually secured the bag on a couple of really key transfer guys that are pretty big for them. Oh, Whereas yeah. Oklahoma, like, sure. They've embraced the portal and used it, but damn man like we were talking about this earlier with steven uh which by the way steven has the flu so that's why he's not podcasting with us tonight um so torn meniscus yeah meniscus and flu so uh that that, that man's out yeah yeah he's out but um i mean hell like thinking about nil in this way i mean what, what do you what do you do realistically uh if you're oklahoma because i mean texas is getting the people they want it feels like as far as like bidding on these guys whereas oklahoma maybe we suggested 
Well, they kind of did set the market really high for defensive linemen in this entire class. And maybe that's where the majority of their NIL money went. But at the same time, you're still seeing like Ole Miss recruit relatively well. Not like top 10 every year or anything like that. Let's let's not say that. Like they're in the teens, I think. I, I don't know what they are this year anyways. Um, but man, they've been crushing it in the transfer portal. And of course, Ole Miss is an easy target because they've been getting everybody, right? Uh, but that includes Texas. They've been getting some really key guys. Florida State, they've been Florida getting State. some really key guys. Yeah, and so, and so many others are getting some key guys. Tell Georgia, Oregon, they're they're Georgia's portaling in people, and they're they're winning like two national championships in three years, and they could have mm-hmm. probably won a third in a third year. And mm-hmm. so, what? I guess what are you thinking about NIL and OU right now? Because I need somebody to talk to you about this. I is like because we talked just, about salary cap with Steven earlier on yeah. through text. Yeah, I I wish I wish I just kind of got a, a more transparent look at at how OU's NIL works. I agree. How I agree. they operate and and I and I don't think that's ever going to happen but it it's it's kept under lock and key it's very it's very secretive and i'm and i know a lot of other schools i'm sure they are that way but then you have schools that are just like showing all of their cards and and just essentially purchasing player left and right um so it it you you have to look at it potentially two ways one ou doesn't have the money that we thought they did and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that's one reason why they're recruiting very well at the high school level. And I think that's their priority. And two, it's a culture thing, I guess, which mm-hmm. that that could be a concern for some people because sure. cult, culture thing can be, it could also translate to antiquated way of thinking, you know, yeah. get with the times guys. But I do get it. You know, you recruit these guys that you spend a pretty penny on and then you bring in somebody to start over them and you pay double what you paid this high school kid, mm-hmm. you can have a dysfunctional locker room very quickly. So and, I'm nervous. I hate it. I just wish we, oh, you had an infinite amount of cash yeah. <laughs> just to go throw around. I'd be glad to buy a national championship. Would be very nice to have an infinite amount of cash and NIL collectives and everything else. But Texas A&M um, has that, and they fucking would be suck. Ideal. So, and then, you know? and that's the thing, right? Like yeah. Oklahoma, it's like you look at their their transfer portal guys, and you know, like the guy that jumps off the page, you kind of immediately is a Purdue guy. He's kind of like the big name <laughs> that they kind of got. And the Purdue guy that I can't even remember his name right. I don't now. know his name. I just know he. <laughs> I, I I literally off the off the top of my head, I do not know his name. I just know that this man uh, had nearly like 400 receiving yards and like 60 receptions or something like the around that ballpark, and that he, he had or, a shit or, ton of or vice versa. Maybe it was like 40 so. receptions, 600 yards yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah. So he had a good season, and so he's a good pickup, obviously for Oklahoma. Um, but of course, I can't. I guess like Burke or Bur- Burks or something like that. Deion Burks. I, th- I think I'm like pulling that out of my ass. I don't know. But, like, that's the thing. Like, Oklahoma, they're not, like, landing these big, splashy players that even Texas is adding. And that, like, that that's something that also, like, obviously strikes a nerve because, like, Oklahoma should be beating, like, 
other teams like Texas, other teams like. If it makes you feel any better, Texas you. really wanted the kid from Purdue. Sure, right. Like really and, badly. <laughs> and that, that, that's why they signed the, a couple of the others, right? Right. Um, and, but I, I'm talking about the tight ends, right? Like a couple, like one guy from a D2. Total head scratchers. You know, so, so it's like, are we banking on development? Because again, we're not just talking Devon about Mitchell. transfers for one year. It's not like the Michael Panic situations. It's Brent specifically wants transfers with multiple, like two to three years of availability. And so like, it tells me still like they're still interested in future development. Maybe of a player that already somewhat has a college body that they can then fill with their offensive or defensive playbook, essentially. Do you like, think Brent is taking, sorry to interrupt, but do you think Brent is taking the, the Iowa approach to constructing a football program. And I, and, and I say that Iowa with like, like a spread. I don't mean this at all. Stylistically. I mean, how Iowa operates is they are a nine win team mm. for three years. And then every four years they have a group of senior super seniors and they go 12 and one and get their ass kicked in, in the big 10 championship game. But do you think Oklahoma, like Brent is building that? That's why he takes these project guys where he's trying to stack the class, basically saying, I can't compete with Texas, Alabama, and Georgia every year to stack a class. I have to do kind of what DeBoer did. I had to do even to an extent of what they did at Clemson where it's going to take an exceptional quarterback and a stacked class of super seniors to be on that level, to win a national championship, to essentially say once every, every four years, we're truly going to compete for a national championship. I think, um, I think it's a good question. I think, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, he obviously played for Snyder and obviously knows what Snyder did. Uh, Kansas state who completely rebuilt that program. Uh, from right. the ground up, even used right. Iowa's uh, logo for their own, uh, and right. just uh, turned it uh, turned it a different, uh, obviously different animal, of course. Um, then, like you mentioned, he follows Bob um, and Mike and them to OU, where obviously it's a little, little bit different of a game. And that program, like that, that program already has high expectations from the get go and knows how to win there and has seen like that kind of construction, especially of roster building and stuff like that. But that's before the transfer portal. Right. Um, so like, but he's seen like what it takes to win there, but at Oklahoma the entire time he was there, I mean, there's pressure to win a national championship or at least the conference championship every single year. And then at Clemson, I mean, they knew they were going to be feasible in the, in the sec. Yeah, like in, in the in the SEC, like as as currently constructed, because like I think the transfer portal, I don't think it accelerates much faster than what it already is, and then I think eventually the there will be some sort of regulation that I just can't think of right now, uh, to make it obviously some more parity, uh, especially from uh from the top because it's a lot of like really really like you. You have a lot of really good teams. Don't get me wrong, but you have like 
two elite teams or three elite teams. And mm-hmm. I think with more parity, especially with the transfer portal where the Georgias that don't keep getting richer and stuff like that, especially with the transfer portal, that's nuts to me, by the way. Um, it just relies on, especially if there's any sort of regulation on NIL too. Uh, I don't know how they do it. It's going to go back to cheating, but um, I think things even out, but but I think thing, taking things like from Clemson, like in that's the, that's what happened with Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley too, where like yeah your defense isn't that great, but uh, you have generational quarterback talent that can push you over the edge, and that's what they added Clemson. But Clemson's defense was really fucking good, and the Clemson's de- and that's what and he so he builds <laughs> it, it's structure off a of defense, right. right? Right, and so like I honestly think it's like an Iowa situation. Um, I think he knows the expectations at Oklahoma and, and I think he knows he can't do an Iowa situation, but at the same time, but I like, don't know, like, like what the, it, it's like, what the hell with the whole roster building Correct. situation too. Can you compete? I don't Oklahoma just cannot compete financially with Texas, Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, like they, they straight up, can't. like straight up at all. Straight like up. That is just it's not, an objective yeah. fact. Yeah, that's true. And so you're automatically at a disadvantage. And so like I know everybody's expectations are Oklahoma's got to be competing for a national championship every year. I think at some point you got to wake up and say, that's not happening. Right now, yeah. That right that's now. just that's just not gonna happen. Oklahoma doesn't have those resources. Yeah, but they could potentially buy one instead of trying to do it every year. Yeah, you build a really good football team every four years, yep. and that's what Clemson did. They did it with Deshaun Watson. They did it with Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Yep. And like, especially in the SEC, where I mean, it's like a different team every four or five years. But I mean, Saban's gone. LSU kind of has that, honestly. But LSU like kind of has that. Kirby Smart. I mean, they'll be on top for a, a minute. And well, I'm curious if Kirby Smart has NFL aspirations because I think he does. Um, and then I, I heck from the SEC. Then like you have a bunch of good teams, but I'm curious, you know, who's coaching them, right? Heck, you know, like, we'll see how many how many years Brent gets in the SEC if things uh. If things go, I wouldn't say sideways pretty quick, but if they don't get according to uh, to Josie's plan, I imagine, which I'm not sure what that is yet. And I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to have that conversation if I'm being honest. Isn't it? It kind of just really just occurred to me. It's totally feasible for Oklahoma to win a national championship before it wins an SEC championship. Oh, yeah. That's kind of boggling to me. It's absurd, right? Because like you don't have to win any sort of championship, but if you catch fire and if there are some key injuries uh, to other teams, good match- and stuff like that, matchups, you get favorable matchups. You can win as a seven seed. Congratulations, you win a national championship that year. Undoubtedly, it's, it's and it's all bullshit. the fan bases will say, all the fan bases, especially of the hurt teams, will say that's fraud because if so and so was playing we would have won that game, you know, kind of like right. we, what we do when we, we talk about the 2008 game against Florida DeMarco with DeMarco. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like, it's going to be the same. Yeah. Every single year. Paul Thompson plays in the second half, the 2003 sugar bowl. Oh, you beats Alabama and Nick Saban does not become the Nick Saban. That he, everybody is accustomed to. Right. Isn't that the funny narrative? I like that. That's butterfly, my, butterfly effect. It's one of my favorites. If, if they would just bench Jason white, like you got no, like what? 
okay. The Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner. I right, yeah. He also is playing with like four broken ribs and a broken yeah, wrist. None. None. <laughs> and couldn't it, it, it's a, that's wild. It and Keywon Jones was running it down their their throats. Yeah, it was. Just, that's what is crazy is OU ran the ball up and down the field on LSU. That's a uh, Chuck Wong, yeah, Chuck Chucky, yeah, yeah. yeah that's Chucky. what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, I'll never forget too. Last, that, never that forget. Game? I Jason White throwing off his back heel. Keywon Jones wide open back of the end zone. It's fourteen twenty one to tie the game late in the fourth. And it just sails past Kiwan Jones' fingertips because he's like five foot damn seven I, instead I was of in five foot zone. ten. I was in that end zone. Not oh I, I, I was God. sitting in that end zone, wide open by LSU fans. I wept. I'm so glad that memes weren't a thing back then, dude. Because I would have been a crying kid meme. Brutal, for sure. Brutal. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not relive that right now. Um. Gerald McCoy told Oklahoma fans to get over Lincoln Riley stuff. So I get it. No, that's <laughs> how I feel about it. I mean, like at some point we'll have to like, just come to terms with like, sure. Yeah. Like that happened. Like, and I have done that. Like, yeah, that happened. F that guy for doing that. That's a really shady, shitty thing. Of course, I'm not interested in that. I love Oklahoma. I'm not going to take the LSU job. Immediately, like, scoops all the recruits and and players and uproots your program for, like, two years in chaos. But in the, in the long run, seems like he's doing you a favor from what you see from him now, I suppose. Um, as far as Lincoln Riley goes for you, what is his... What is his national perception now that you've seen what we just saw out of him and Caleb Williams at USC this past season, knowing that like he turned into, I wouldn't say like a joke, but he did kind of turn into like a little bit of a character at times. National, national pundits ripped him. I, I mean, they, 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 Correct. LA people said, Oh, then, sorry. Oh, you're right. We, we, well, uh, it, we're, we apologize. I, I even, but I mean, there's also like Lincoln Riley kind of got the pity card um, at the end of the year too. Like that, that's how bad it was where everybody was like, ah, sheesh, this poor guy's in over his head. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I still have a really like nauseating feeling talking about Lincoln Riley. And when I, when I think about like how checked out he was in his last season, sure, like the, it was a poor performance. And then it wasn't just like a business move that all ultimately it has benefited Oklahoma. So like, that's cool. And it's fun to make jokes, but something happened because it's not that Lincoln Riley left. He left and tried to light the building on fire. Yep. Like it was a scorched earth mentality. And it was, it was, it became very personal. Sure. And and then he gets to play the victim card out of it, that he was the one that was attacked out of it all. But yeah, to raid your own roster, to be recruiting while you're already what recruiting players to another school that you're currently coaching at like 
it was so slimy and dirty and gross and yeah and i don't know if he did it because he saw the writing on the wall that he's not actually a great college football coach and so he wanted the payday and whatever and that's all it is yeah but i don't think it's that i don't i i think lincoln probably is a borderline sociopath yeah, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what his career ends up being. I mean, we'll see. I mean, he hasn't had that too, too much success in the portal. He hasn't had that great success coaching. He's had a lot of guys leave the program. So we'll see what happens with them this year. Uh, I mean, like he's trying he to may be, be remain Elaine Kiffin spirits. type. You know, like he may follow Maybe. the yeah, and, and then find some obscure middle mid you know middle of the pack conference school and get them to play above the issue is he's not funny like lane though like he's he sucks though he's he's very dry humor not funny at all he has no no personality like lane kiffin at least like he's got some personality and it's gets fun to follow he is you're you are correct in that regard he just thinks he's so fucking cool yeah it's yeah. weird. It's strange. It's strange. Yeah. Um, also, some pretty cool stuff going on in Oklahoma in Norman, but on the hardwood instead of the football field. Porter Moser. Um, I mean, they just faced off with West Virginia last night. Um, it was a close game early on. Both teams could make a bucket, start the game, and then game kind of picks up second half of the of the first half, and then games really starts kind of back and forth in the first half of the second half. And then Oklahoma through that part till through the end of the game, really um, just lights it on fire and just kind of runs away with it uh, just because they were clearly more athletic, well uh, deeper because they have, sh- they have shooters on the team. Don't get me wrong. They just were making yeah. shots. But they're they're more athletic. They're deeper. They're longer. Uh, they have like actual muscles that you can see. They dunk in transition. It's a lot of defensive uh, on the counterattack essential situations. I mean, we talked about this team before. Give me an elevator pitch if I'm like a random person that doesn't watch OU basketball. Why should I go to an OU game? OU game, despite the fact that it is still technically in Lloyd Noble Arena. <sighs> Or the Lloyd uh, Noble Center. Excuse me. Lloyd Noble Center, not Arena. They are very competitive at home. Um, they're athletic. They can put points on the board. That's the best that I could give to you. They're good. I mean, yeah. they're a good college basketball team. That's that's about all I can say. I I think that this is a team that is going to be that is going to be very, very tough to beat at home. And it hasn't. It doesn't have a ton to do with like necessarily the atmosphere at Lloyd Noble. The crowd's actually um, kind of been showing up a little bit more. It's been good. It's been okay. Yeah. I mean, they're ranked, like, so like the crowd shows up suddenly. You you see like the mistakes that they've made, you know, against North Carolina, against oh. TCU, and against Kansas. Kansas. I don't think that they're, you know, that far off from from some of those teams and the, that they've lost to. I think that it's just still some of like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new group that hasn't played 
a ton together. Um, it's a it's a pretty youthful group. Yeah. Um, still, and so the game like gets away from them a little bit, and so that doesn't happen as much at home. Like you know, they they're much more comfortable and composed, um, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And so in this league, it's just imperative if OU protects home court and steals a win, you know, at Texas, uh, you know, I should mean, win you, in Houston, Baylor. Yeah. Um, I mean, you should you, OU should beat the shit out of that. OU, OU, if OU doesn't sweep Bedlam, that's incredibly disappointing. That That's that's not a good basketball team. There's a chance Oklahoma State does not win a game in conference play. Um, mm. But, I mean, it's also like, it's a really deep league. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of talent. Um, I mean, what, if you can get a win at BYU, but if you protect home court and steal a couple of those, you're top, you're, you're, a, four, you're a four seed um, sure. in the NCAA tournament. Um, it, and that's and funny. It's like, if they, if they were in the SEC... You know they're they're potentially right up there with like Kentucky and and Tennessee, I guess. Yeah, they're um, competing. They're competing. They're competing to win that league. Um, so it just speaks to the speaks to the testament. I will miss Big Twelve basketball. I really yeah, will. I, I, and I think yeah. I think I think SEC basketball will make Oklahoma fans be more fans of the basketball team because i think they'll see a lot more conference success, success. yes i i completely agree the big 12 like every like god damn like like every other team is a con- is is more than every other team is but going to be considered for a march madness spot i mean like there are only two big 12 teams without double digit wins four only four teams without 13 wins and eight teams are ranked in yeah. this league and like that, that's that's nuts. And like the SEC yeah. doesn't have that. And so I think no. I think basketball season especially will actually be really attractive for like fans that maybe aren't fans of OU hoops just just yeah. now. But when you see success, I mean, a la look at the Oklahoma women's softball team now. Like suddenly, not just girls from Oklahoma, but girls and guys from Oklahoma, but like everybody like around the nation, like is are fans of certain names and faces that right. they see on the Oklahoma softball team. And um, I think it makes them better. And that's exciting. But going into this season, because I think Porter Moser, I mean, like he's got something good going. Like this is the first squad that I think he knows he can work with. They can play multiple styles of basketball if they need to. The personnel mm-hmm. is is kind of really different between the centers they choose between Sam Godwin and John Hewley. Um, and, 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 uh, and then you have fun guys like Otega Owe, which is like all his dunks are just like insane. Uh, on sports center, the amount of like all of them OA highlights he's, he's been in the sports center top 10, like three or four times this year. Dude likes to dunk the damn ball. And so like, yeah. wh- where would you expect them in this, in this conference? Where would you expect them to finish in, in conference play this year? I mean, like I said, it, it just, it really goes back to Oklahoma. You gotta beat, you, you've got to protect home court. You've got to beat Kansas at home. You, you, mm-hmm. you've got to beat, you've got to beat Houston at home. Yeah. Um, Houston's having, you know, adjustment issues uh, in, in conference play. Um, they're they're not used to this consistent physicality. Sure, 
Um, and, and, and this also the speed um, that's in this league. And so, I mean, every game at home is winnable. Uh, and so if you do that, you know, here's the flip side of that is there are really only a couple of schools. I mean, the, the school that really stands out to me, because again, Houston, you, you see some cracks there. There's a reason why Kansas has won so many damn big 12 championships. Sure. Like they know how to win on the road. Um, you know, they're, they, they, they can come in dormant to Norman and I expect them to win in Norman. Um, so, you know, obviously to me, they're, they're your clear favorite to win the league. Um, you know, Baylor is still a really damn good bat or excuse me. Uh, Houston's a really good basketball team. Baylor's got a really good basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas, you know, as as much as Texas, like as much as OU could sweep Texas, Texas could also sweep OU. I agree. You know, that's, that's so like you're talking about if they finish fourth or fifth in this league, that's a pretty damn successful year. In my opinion, if you finish fourth in this league, you, you're, you are just behind kansas houston and you know potentially a, a byu or a or a or texas sure and that's what i was going to think i was like i was thinking maybe like man like you got to finish between i mean four through six feels comfortable even four through seven just because i feel like there's gonna be a log jam yeah. of yeah. like like just like it just there's just gonna be a bottleneck log jam effect of like teams splitting games on the road and you're going to have right. like a lot of guys like in 500 and like you have a couple of games right. separating like one and two and three and at the right. very bottom and stuff like that. But it's going to be a tough conference, obviously like every year, but you'll still Oklahoma already has like what 13 wins in, uh, yeah. in, and so like you only have to win like what seven more games and you have several more uh, games that are winnable on the, on the calendar for you, especially games that you right. should sweep. Uh, just as long as you're playing four quadrant one wins. Yeah. Yeah. So they're up there. Definitely a tournament team for sure. Oh, it's not a doubt of like, are they going to be a tournament team? Yeah. Unless like the wheels just completely fall off. Sure. Uh, uh, No, they're, they're definitely a tournament team. And I think we're talking about this is potentially a team. Like if they're to me, if like they're lower than a six seed, it might be like a little bit of a disappointment. And no, no, I agree. How well they've played so far. You know, I would be a little sad. I I agree. I I only say that because like the last time we really talked about this, I was like, are they a tournament team? How high can they climb? And now I'm really curious now that we're in conference play. Cause I said, I'm going to reserve judgment until conference play. I mean, I mean like they looked pretty okay. I mean like Kansas, they hung with Kansas for a minute. And then of course Mm -hmm. things obviously go awry always in the fog. Um, I thought that TCU game was pretty brutal and I just hate TCU's court if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, yep. but I thought the, I thought the West Virginia game was a great display of like what Oklahoma basketball honestly is double like, dig- they, digit win. in in this league is, is, is not something that should be taken for granted. And, and I, Iowa state, I mean, they beat a good Iowa state team that beat the yeah. number two team in the country, their next game, like yeah. four days later. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. Like they're again, they're athletes. They get out in transition, they like to run, they like to dunk the ball. It's fun. It's exciting. 
Um, I expect them to finish anywhere between like, I don't know, they could have a lot of fun and then win, you know, get in the third seed, but I could definitely see them in that kind of like four to seven range. That wouldn't yeah, really surprise me, but again, like just because of the numbers, uh, but anyways, let's go on to random things. Two, four, seven sports writer, um, mentioned that Oklahoma has the second most difficult schedule in the U S that it says the Sooners only leave Norman once in September, but that's when they, the difficult stretch begins where they pass Tennessee, the sec opener, then follows a trip to Auburn five games against top 25 teams over the five uh, final seven games or close to close it out. And then a few teams nationally face the late November gauntlet that Oklahoma must endure trips with Missouri and LSU with a home bout against the F defending SEC champion of Shores. We're talking about Alabama in the middle. Um, thoughts on that kind of that kind of statement that Oklahoma has the second most difficult schedule in college football next next season. I mean, we I thought mean, they would have the easiest. We've, schedule we've talked this about this. One. No, this is a it's a really really brutal schedule. That's where like I mean, if OU is eight and four next year to me, that is a that is a that is my expectation. Yeah. And like that is kind of my hope. Like nine and three would be would be awesome. That'd be great. But like eight and four and, and you're looking staring down the barrel potentially seven and five. Um that is a really, really, really tough stretch. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Like it, it is a tough slate of games, but man, I, I just look I I look at the SEC again, like I, I think the leagues get blown out a little bit out of proportion just because of the highest of highs are in certain conferences. Like you look at the Big Ten, and well, I mean, like look at I was I was State, Ohio State, Michigan, and you're like, damn, okay, the Big Ten's pretty good. But if you played Penn State, I mean, sure, like they're a formidable opponent, but I don't view them as somewhat as somewhat. Uh, as, as as a school that I would wouldn't necessarily feel confident about about playing, and so I think the SEC they have like some really high highs, right? They have you know Alabama, they have they have Georgias, they have like s- different teams on occasion. Maybe Florida when they get their shit together and and stuff like that, and LSU on a, on certain years. Um, maybe I don't know what the hell's gonna I don't know what they're gonna be doing at LSU or at Texas A&M. LSU on leap years. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> there's, there's so much, right? And so I'm just really curious because I feel like we in the Big 12 looked at the Oklahoma schedule and said, man, that is one easy schedule they handed Oklahoma and then quickly found out during the season to the process and also injuries that did happen to three different teams and said, well, turns out Oklahoma had one of the more difficult Big 12 schedules at the end of the at the conclusion of the season. So I'm curious and to see how much of that well. is the case in the <laughs> SEC. I'm yeah. really curious to see how much that is the case in the SEC because like it's interesting saying something to say now because we can definitely look at the rankings, which don't mean anything, but we can look at the preseason rankings and see who's coming back for sure and say, yeah, that'll be a tough game. Yeah, that'll be a tough game. But again, until I see them in conference play, just like basketball game, or until I see them just play a down of football, just in general. I'm not really going to worry about it, but speaking of like other players and other programs, uh, or, or even like just, you know, like the Sooners and former Sooners in general, Caleb Williams declares for the NFL draft. 
and um, gives a shout out to Oklahoma and says he still hates Texas. How did you feel about uh, that? I thought it was fine. I, I think Caleb Williams got bad advice. I think, <laughs> I think he still could have won a Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I think, like he's that talented. Mm-hmm. I think he would have thrived. I think, I think he would have had two consistent. I think he would have two really good years of college football left versus one, you know, pretty good year that won him the Heisman Trophy but not a successful end of the season. And then just a dumpster fire um, to end the year. Um, so I, I, I bet you that they, if you put some truth serum in there, there's some regret. Um, I think fondly on why, well, I mean the, the Caleb Williams comeback at the cotton bowl is, is just still hilarious and awesome and so much fun. And so I think fondly about that, I think he did some, you know, immature things, but he's also a kid and people took shots at him and took probably some undeserving shots. He didn't, he played the bowl game and he didn't leave OU in a, in a bad light. Mm-hmm. He, he really, he, he really didn't do anything. You know, there's a ton of rumors out there about like how his dad was kind of pulling the strings and mm-hmm. I, it, and it, it, it is what it is, but, Caleb, for the most part, has I feel like he always kind of said the right thing about Oklahoma, and the, and the the same thing can't be said for the coach that he followed. Um, so I think it's fair. I yeah, I I, I will no beef with him. I I wish him well. I'm not going to claim him by any sure, means. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I think he's a pretty damn good quarterback and pretty fun to watch. And hope he has fun in the NFL. Hope he has a good run. Yeah, and that, that's how I felt about it too. I thought I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was pretty cool about that. I thought it was neat of him to do a shout out, even though like fans, was at least at least some fans felt like bitter when he left. But at the same time, I understood. I was like, well, like, well, he feels like it's a business decision, and that's what the family's doing. So it's it whatever. Was. Like it's it's it's, it's yes. something I can control. I'm not going to fret over some 18 year olds or 19 year olds decision. Uh, to go play football. I mean, like Oklahoma will do with what they have, of course, like with whatever they have. And so I thought the shot was pretty cool because like you mentioned, the kind of cotton bowl in that season, especially for him, well, it was special and, uh, right. and it could have been something special at Oklahoma. And obviously it was something special at USC because he won a Heisman there too. Um, right. But he could have obviously had more of a legacy at Oklahoma, but again, still, I thought it was pretty neat that he gets to acknowledge and we all get to still acknowledge that really fun, crazy game where in season where you had one quarterback, it didn't wasn't working out. Then you throw this guy into the middle of a game that's not going well at all. And the next thing you know, your season is kind of back online uh, and just really fun to think about. And so um, just like you said, kind of good luck to Caleb and stuff like that. And I thought that was a pretty awesome shout out as far as like not still not liking Texas because I mean, like who does not really anybody besides people that support Texas, but surprise Patty Gasso's squad preseason favorite in the big 12 and just like build a statue. Now, of course, duh, obviously build it higher than anything, build it higher than the OU water tower. I'm just, you know, it was right over the stadium. and like, it, it is still hilarious to me how pissed Kenny Gajewski was when Kelly Maxwell ter- transferred to OU I mean, completely F OSU just in general, but like the, 
I remember he was like almost in tears when he was talking about how frustrated he was when she ended up transferring to Oklahoma and even uh, uh, Nicole May getting some love on the preseason uh, All-American list. And I like that. I mean, Oklahoma by and far is the favorite to win the national championship. I expect them to win the national championship. I don't expect them to do what they did last year. I mean, obviously one loss. I mean, even Patty talked about like, it's this just drained all yeah. of us. It That's was not sustainable. That's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable. I think this is a OU softball team that could win or that can lose four or five games this year and still going to easily walk to a national championship. That's just how good they are. Um, and you know, like Stanford's going to be good again, but I, I I still have concerns offensively about them. They've got to they've got to get the bats. Um, they have arguably the best pitcher in the nation um, returning. Um, Florida State's going to be really good, but they lose Sandercock. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Like I, great, great last name by the way. Tremendous last name. Um, I <laughs> I think as much as as much as everybody's like, oh man, Oklahoma takes a step back losing Jordy Ball. They return everybody else, and they pick up an All American pitcher. To, to do that, uh, and the rest of softball kind of took a step back. I expect Tennessee, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, like, yeah. put Trey John, Tannen John who had Oklahoma. to retire from Tennessee, right. right? Right, but I still expect Oklahoma-Tennessee is my – is I got this right last year. I had Oklahoma-Florida State from the beginning of the year last year. Um, I'm going Oklahoma-Tennessee um, in the national championship game, uh, hmm. and – yeah, expect Oklahoma to cruise to another title because this you're going to have a group of seniors, and I think that that is a reasonable reasonable spot for either Patty to retire. You think or, you could that without Grace Light, without Grace Lines? I think, I I think that, I mean, because you're losing. I mean, like, it's, not like, it's, it's, not like, it's not like Grace Lyons was hot on the bats all the time, right? But she sure. was nails on a shortstop. 100%. Yes. And 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 I, I, I totally get that. But, you're but then just you got Tiara so Jennings loaded. and Jada You've Coleman. You've got Tiara Jennings. you got Jada Coleman. Kenzie Hansen's so coming loaded. back for some leadership, which is nice right. to have. Kelly Maxwell, you pick her up. As soon as it was Jordy Ball, and their stats are actually pretty damn similar. Um, yeah, they're and loaded. So, like, they're loaded back to the pitching staff. I love Nicole May. Like their last yep. year, like the year before when they tr- gave her some chances. And they're getting some more uh, left-handed pitchers, which is nice, yeah. right? Back into the yeah. fold. Yeah. Uh, so really excited. And I, and I think again, like Oklahoma is a sports state. That's why the Oklahoma city thunder thing passed by 70 to 30. They love their uh, Oklahoma fans love themselves in softball. And that's why they, that's why the cultural series and the women's cultural series are at least will be held there honestly all the time because they invest in softball. Oklahoma is a softball state for sure. That is like 100% no doubt. Um, and I think that's really cool what Patty, I've obviously put Patty Gasso has built and will continue to build regardless or not if they win the national title. I think they're obviously still in the talk. They're still in contention. Anything can happen because they're still going to qualify. Um, so I'm really, I'm really curious to see how that pans out. And then again, kind of like, it's like bouncing around on different topics. Oklahoma, we should have talked about this earlier. We we're talking about Washington. 
Oklahoma link to a Washington and Garen Hatchet, who Steven mentioned this in the Discord. So if you're not in the Discord, go to the bio of this podcast on whatever app you're get listening in to. Get in there. Get in the Discord. Because Steven even mentioned, like, even mentioned, like, Trevor and I, he tagged both of us or whatever on the Discord and was like, hey, um, I'm still sick with the flu. Let's talk recruiting. They're podcasting right now. So, and I imagine he's talking about Garrett Hatchet from Washington, who's supposed to take a visit to Oklahoma. That's what he told Trevor and I this weekend. And we'll see from there because Oklahoma obviously needs offensive linemen. And we'll see the NIL situation pony up. So, get in the Discord. This is me telling you to do that now because I'm not going to talk too much more about the situation because Stephen has that information. So, you go talk to that man. But last <laughs> thing before we hop off. I love this because I hate Texas. Their Texas basketball coach was so sad and upset that Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, excuse me, UCF basketball team defeats them. And then after the game, they do the horns down and the Texas basketball coach is outraged and incensed. And now is not expecting suddenly everybody and everywhere they go to to do the horns down to them even more. That that guy's not going to last long. No, no. I, is he a Texas guy? Like, was he? Is he? I like, believe so. Up? I thought so. Okay. It ha- it ha- that has to be it because nobody else. I I mean, who takes that job and is like in your contract? We're just like all of a sudden. You have to like. You have to just like blood, sweat, and tears defend that up. hand signal. And if they put that up there, you know that hand signal up there. That is, that is as. Uh, I usually show offensive. Longhorn fans the other hand signal. Let's keep it that's up with Longhorn relations. That's a, That's the less offensive. That's what I was about to say. That's the less offensive signal. Yeah, especially to Texas like, fans and referees these days. Apparently. Who knew? That's it. It it, 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 it. it blows my mind that you come out there and say that. And, like, Texas fans pull the, you know, we don't actually care about that. Yeah, I mean, that's, all that's, the the thing, that's the thing. Like, because I know there are Texas fans that legit don't give a shit. Because, like, it's a rivalry. I, Who cares? Sure. And then there are some that are, like, really getting their feels about it. We don't, no, we don't actually care about it. And I'm like, why the fuck does your administration care so much? Yeah. It's, str- it's so strange. It's like, it's because Texas basketball, you know, Texas basketball, Texas in general does not feel like a cult. Texas A&M feels like a cult. That's a cult. Straight up. That's straight up a cult. Just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. Uh, it's I don't know. Texas, Texas is pretty culty. But, but it's not, it's not, it's not nearly as bad as like A&M. Um, I, I think Texas obviously just like, they have, I think they're more clicky than they are culty, but I mean, there are legit Texas fans that are like, it's a rivalry. We should be mean to each other. This is fun. This is what rivalry is all about, which is what made Bedlam so unsatisfying maybe for us in comparison to maybe the people on the other side uh, in Stillwater because it never felt like it was too much fun because you expect that to be a W instead of like a really competitive ranked game every year. Um, Despite like what success Pat had in the 80s during the Switzer era. And, um, man, it's weird just to even think about, like, how dare you put this symbol on your hand upside down? This is such a disgrace to, to basketball and to the to gamesmanship. Like, like how I 
is that just like old man gonna old man or are they and they're definitely not ready for the sec if that's the case i don't understand it's i don't know man it's it's pretty culty (laughs) yeah it's weird it's weird it is weird it's it's pretty culty no i I agree with that part that is like straight up some cult activity i would i would agree with that statement but i don't know if like texas itself is like culty to me but i still i don't like i don't don't like sense it's culty for like the 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 same way people that camp out for the new iphone is culty or like people it's like not quite people that that live for the mcrib but it's it's culty in the sense they're aware of when it's happening and they're gonna go and get it for sure it's culty in the sense of like tesla owners are a cult oh oh you're grouping a, a lot of people in this hey sorry if you drive a tulsa if you drive a tulsa if you dream they didn't get that plan tulsa sorry after painting elon musk's elon musk's face on the tulsa driller uh you know if you if you listen to, uh, to this podcast and you drive a tesla we'd still like you to continue listening but uh yeah sorry but it's still, still but but it's like i get it like it's very clicky niche kind of whatever is in fashion situation right right especially when they're doing well right i mean yes. with charlie strong nobody's talking but when it's steve sarkeesian right now everybody's talking yeah especially when and, you get those transfers a lot of misremembering history over what's happened the last 20 years that's fun you know like when you're just delusional about scores and history and championships and all that other good stuff but that is all i have for a podcast we've been going on for almost an hour and a half uh do you have anything else nope that's it go get your eyes checked i agree with that statement i got my new glasses actually this summer so i'm not gonna do even think (laughs) about i'm not even gonna think about uh contacts for a while but go ahead and join the discord link like i mentioned steven echo that trevor's echoing that Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me, Kamiar, at K underscore Moravian. And then you can follow Trevor at Trevor Rogers underscore one on Twitter. Uh, again, Discord link will be in the bio. Thank you guys always for for subscribing, for even like sending DMs or appreciate the support. And we'll check you guys next time.